Hello, and welcome to episode five of Catch Up on Kids Mental Health. I'm Janet Morrison. In this episode, I'm going to talk about children's behaviors, which suggest they might need a mental health assessment. Infants and children vary tremendously in temperament, which is largely determined by their genetic makeup. Some children are more sensitive to their environment. Some are shy. Some thrive on novelty and excitement. Some need more sleep. Despite our very nostalgic and romantic notions about childhood being idyllic and innocent, the fact is that all children experience distress, frustration, disappointment, and anger on a pretty regular basis. Most children cope well, most of the time, but one in five children has a mental health problem, a mental health problem which needs attention and which, according to the Mental Health Commission of Canada, is likely to get worse, not better, over time. The truth is that children tend to grow into their problems, not out of their problems, as we like to believe. Significant stressful events, such as a move, a change in school or daycare, a death, divorce, the birth of a sibling, or an illness, can result in all sorts of upset feelings. At these times, nightmares, loss of appetite, aches and pains, crying, anger, and fears are all common, indeed expectable. However, in a matter of weeks, children usually start to adapt and life goes on. When children don't seem to be adjusting, when symptoms persist for several weeks, it's important to consult your doctor and ask if your child should be seen by a mental health specialist. This is especially important if your child can't talk about what's bothering him or her. Any and every symptom a child displays must be viewed in the context of his or her overall development. Children can be strange and difficult and react to all kinds of challenging events with very challenging behaviors. It's normal for children to be unpleasant, unpredictable, oppositional, sad and mad. By overall development, I mean, is she learning? Is he having fun? Do they have friends? Does the teacher think she's coping and fitting in? Are you, as a parent, sleeping at night most of the time? Here are 10 instances when I think a parent would be wise to seek consultation from a professional. Number one, almost all children cry when they're angry, frustrated, or sad. Very young children move rapidly between crying and laughing. Most children cry a lot when an important negative event occurs. However, it's unusual for children to cry for any length of time, several times in a day or every day, either in response to minimal provocation or particularly when there doesn't seem to be any provocation. When children are easily defeated and discouraged, sad or irritable, or if they call themselves stupid or bad, they are likely suffering a lot and need some help. Number two, Children vary tremendously in how much sleep they need, how deeply they sleep, 
and how affected they are by disturbances in their sleep routines. Concerning instances include significant changes in a child's sleep behavior accompanied by a lot of distress. For example, waking every night with bad dreams or having night terrors, which means having intense nightmares but not waking up, or children who can't fall asleep because of their fears. If this persists for a few weeks or more, it suggests that something is going on. As I said at the outset, there's a, if there's a big change or a loss, this would be normal. But if nothing has happened that you can identify, then there may be something going on which needs attention. Number three, there is considerable variability in children's eating habits. Some eat everything. Some are very picky. Some have allergies and sensitive digestive systems. Some tolerate changes in meal routines, and some do not. It would only be evidence of a problem if the child's behavior was accompanied by significant distress or created significant distress for parents and other family members. For instance, if there were ongoing battles about food and mealtimes, or if the child refused to eat altogether. When older children, especially girls, worry about whether they're fat and start counting calories or exercising excessively or refuse to eat meals with the rest of the family, it's very important to talk to your doctor. The sooner, the better. Eating disorders can get very entrenched very quickly and can derail both the child and the family. Number four. All children have aches and pains, upset stomachs, headaches, fevers and colds. Again, children differ in their ability to stave off illness, to recover from illness, and the degree to which they feel sick and feel upset by being sick. Small children often say they have a sore tummy when they are nervous or uncertain or even excited. By age five or six, however, Children usually learn the difference between nervousness and stomach pain, but it's a slow process. Sometimes children either don't learn the difference between emotional and physical distress or don't learn to express it. And these children tend to have ongoing headaches and stomach aches, which prevent them from enjoying themselves and mastering new skills and activities. Mothers and fathers usually have a sense about the cause of their child's symptoms. And when the aches and pains don't seem to be physical and are numerous, something else is probably going on. Of course, in this time of COVID, we are all supposed to worry about getting sick every single minute, and we are supposed to be vigilant about any symptoms. But even so, children with mysterious aches and pains and who feel unable to play or to learn need a checkup, both physical and emotional. Number five, most children enjoy daycare and school and wake up most days eager to go. They might have a hissy fit about their clothes or their hair or their breakfast, but they usually anticipate having a good day. If your child frequently wants to stay home or is clingy and fearful that something might happen to you or to them, it suggests that they're having a problem of some kind. Children who are not coping well, who are overstressed, 
may have explosive temper tantrums or begin to engage in rituals, doing things and arranging things in a particular order and freaking out if the rituals are interfered with, counting things, getting dressed in a particular order, lining their stuff up in a special way. In these instances, you would want to explore further with your doctor. Now, hand washing in the time of COVID is much harder to evaluate. We're being told nonstop to wash our hands and many of us have red, dry, sore hands. Number six, children are typically very excited about play dates, activities, and all kinds of adventures. Of course, some more than others. Shy children may prefer to have a few close friends and quieter activities than extroverts who like more exciting forms of entertainment. But the introverts still enjoy social activities and anticipate them with pleasure. It's not unusual or concerning if your quiet child doesn't love paintball, but it is concerning if he or she doesn't enjoy anything. Shy intellectual children don't necessarily like hockey, but they get pretty worked up about puzzles and science experiments. It's the qualities of interest, curiosity, and pleasure that matter, not the particular activity. Number seven, it often takes time and patience and a lot of talk about using your words before children stop using their bodies to express anger and frustration. By about six years of age, though, children have, by and large, stopped resorting to kicking, hitting, and pushing. But some are more prone to this, usually boys. And some are slower to learn because they are delayed in their language development or just more impulsive. But when children kick, hit, or bite, when they're shunned by other children and parents, when they're excluded from birthday parties, or when the teacher reports that he or she is being aggressive, telling lies, or not following the rules, it's another matter. This situation is particularly painful for parents who feel ashamed and understandably defensive. But parents do themselves and their child a big favor by spending the time and the effort to investigate rather than making excuses. This is not a bad child. This is an unhappy child who needs help in order to cope and function better. Number eight, any type of skill development or new learning requires the ability to take risks. Practice and failure are ubiquitous in the process of acquiring any new skill, whether you're a genius or a regular person, a baby or a boomer, and whether the new skill is reading or bowling. The more adventurous, confident, and self-assured one is, the better able to take on difficult new tasks and to tolerate failure. The more risk-averse, the more self-conscious, the more tentative, the more difficult it would be to tolerate failure and the less willing to take on new risks. Again, differences are normal and expectable. But a child who won't participate in any activities, who refuses to try to learn something new, 
who avoids anything competitive is likely to be very restricted and very unhappy. It could be emotional, it could be a learning challenge, but it needs investigation. Number nine, many children bite their nails, pull their hair, pick and scratch their skin, wet the bed, and occasionally soil themselves. These behaviors are normal or not, depending on the age, the frequency, and whether or not they occur in isolation or in combination with other symptoms. Alone, if these behaviors don't cause distress or interfere with the child's learning or social life, they will probably disappear by themselves. For example, lots of school-aged children who are perfectly toilet trained soil themselves when they don't want to leave an exciting activity. Children who are very tired or sleep very deeply may wet their beds. These behaviors are of concern only when children are isolated, anxious, and unable to participate in activities or learning. Number 10, most children are anxious or fearful in response to changes in their lives or routines. Many are fearful on a regular basis because they're afraid of bugs or dogs or the dark. This is very annoying for parents and requires patience and reassurance and strategies, but it's entirely normal. Some children, however, are anxious and fearful all the time because they're afraid that there's something wrong with them, that they are somehow defective or strange. If these types of fears develop and persist, even for a short period, it's really important to get some help. When children see themselves as weird or unattractive, it really affects their self-esteem. And that, of course, hugely interferes with their health and their happiness. Teachers and daycare staff know children, and they know what is normal and expectable for boys and girls at each age and stage. They have lots of opportunity to observe your child in many different circumstances and over a long period of time. They usually are well-meaning and usually have your child's best interests in mind. When teachers or daycare staff repeatedly express concerns about your child, it's important to listen because something is amiss. My point in this piece is to alert parents and teachers to the more general concerns which might warrant further investigation. And I repeat, it's not a single symptom or single behavior that's significant, but whether or not a child is able to love, to laugh, and to learn. That's it for this episode. I'm Janet Morrison. Next time, I'm going to talk about separation and divorce and how children are affected. Please tune in. You can subscribe and find me wherever you get your podcasts.